Before we get started, a quick disclosure. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing you hear is an offer or a solicitation to buy or sell any investment. And with that, hello and welcome to the Rangely Capital Podcast. I'm Andrew Walker, a portfolio manager at Rangely, and with me as always is my co-host and Rangely's founder, Chris Demuth. It is Tuesday, August 25th, and today we're going to talk about two epically flawed systems. First, is it August 25th? It's Tuesday, August 30th. It looks like that was left over from last time. Uh, two epically flawed systems. First, we're going to talk about the recent EpiPen pricing controversy and Mylan. And then we'll talk about the story of the uh, political action committee that, in air quotes, defrauded Trump supporters for over $2 million in profit at this point. Uh, so, Chris, let's start with Mylan. Uh, shares are down 10% over the past about two weeks on Fuhrer over their EpiPen pricing. Uh, you know, I think it started when this month uh, parents started filling EpiPen prescriptions for the new school year, and they saw prices had raised by risen by 32% year over year. Uh, they've risen by about 550% since 2007, from $94 to $600. Hillary Clinton put out a tweet that said the EpiPen price hikes were ridiculous and re-released her plan for lowering prescription drug costs. And some social activists today are going to li- deliver 600,000 signatures to Mylan execs protesting their prices. So Mylan execs can look forward to a very full mailbag. Uh, so, Chris, we can go into the Mylan scandals, what you think about drug pricing. Anywhere you want to go, why don't you kick it off? Sure. I'm going to start mildly and temporarily defending Mylan. Okay. And I'm just just going to raise a couple little thoughts, and then, uh, then I'm going to pile back on them. Okay. Uh, to start, I would say that healthcare in many ways has hugely improved decade to decade. Mm-hmm. And so uh, looking at uh, a price series over time is difficult because things have gotten a lot better. Uh, you know, if uh, you had a child that needed an EpiPen, uh, I think you would probably at that moment would pay a lot for the marginal EpiPen uh, and uh, for the people who are responsible and own the IP compared to before it was there. Uh, and uh, secondly, I'd say that the research costs on pharmaceuticals are spectacularly expensive and the winners have to pay for all the losers and then have something a little left over for the shareholders. So I'm going to join you and I, I think it was Warren Buffett who said, as he so astutely puts everything, he said, look, you'd rather pay today's cost for a dentist or healthcare than, you know, it might have been cheaper in the late 1800s, but at that time they just kind of strapped you and gave you a shot of alcohol and went to town yeah. on you and you felt everything. So you'd rather this than today. But the thing with the EpiPen is, look, the EpiPen has been around for decades. Its core component, uh, ephedrine, ephedrine mm-hmm. I believe it is, is uh, it's available for you know a dollar for a tub of it or something. The the trick to the EpiPen is it's a uh, the core component is a very unstable component, and the EpiPen gets it into your bloodstream immediately, and it manages to stabilize that so you can deliver it. The trick is in the delivery, but. Uh, I think the issue with the EpiPen is it's been around for decades and there hasn't been a generic competitor. So Mylan just keeps raising prices because they have a monopoly on something that's old. It's not really recouping drug costs. It's just taking advantage of their monopoly. I'll let you dive in a little bit further there. Yeah, I I think that as a business decision, this was a catastrophe. Mm -hmm. As a PR move, it was kind of obvious. I think that uh, uh, Hillary Clinton would be committing campaign malpractice if she didn't attack this. I think the probability, if you said it was 99% that she would, that's wrong. It was 100%. And so this should have caught nobody off guard. It was avoidable uh, at Milan. And the fact that they were able able to respond so strongly and quickly 
could raise your suspicion that it should have been done anyways to some degree. In fact, pricing would be higher today had they been more moderate historically than uh, had they needed to flail in response to this PR disaster. And, you know, one thing I think is interesting, the last time Hillary Clinton tweeted something like this was in response to Valiant and uh, Marge Shkreli drastically raising the prices on, at that time, it was kind of HIV yes. and heart uh, heart drugs. And they drastically raised the price. Here, Mylan drastically raised the price on children's drugs. And what it turns out is it exposes a flaw in the system where if you drastically raise the price, you get busted. Mm-hmm. But if you just moderately but significantly increase the price slowly over the time, mm-hmm. you can just keep getting away with it. Go Mar- ahead. Martin Scarelli actually uh, ran to the defense of Mylan. Uh, they'd be <laughs> happy to know to kind of help yep. their PR effort on Twitter, kind yep. of defending what they did. You know, if you actually look, these are kind of dramatic, uh, maudlin, heart-rending uh, stories and it hurts the PR effort. But I would say this, a lot of the people complaining about it who are in and around government are also the people who have supported a regulatory regime that crushes competition, that creates massive barriers to entry. And with any undergrad uh, freshman uh, Econ 101 uh, uh, student could tell you would lead to higher prices. If you look at our healthcare system, and apologies if I've already used these examples, but I've found that the very best, most transparent, reasonable pricing is in things that's uninsurable. Botox. uh, Botox your forehead. Uh, Get your teeth whitened an extra time between cleanings. Uh, If you want to do things that are just discretionary, the prices are low, transparent, fair, competitive. People advertise against each other. Uh, In Greenwich at the hospital, if you want an upgraded room, it's about the price you'd think it would be for a nice hotel room or something. It's not low, but it's kind of transparent and reasonable. And uh, and that's how markets work when they're allowed to work. I I think the thing here is we've got some strange mismatch of free price competition with weird regulations that yep. make it almost socialist. And the fact is, it, when you combine the two, you almost get worse outcomes than if you just went one way or the other. It's bad socialism and it's bad capitalism. It's philosophically this kind of monster and the monster gets captured. So it is a rent-seeking machine like none other and the insiders get hugely, uh, hugely benefited. But when you uh, when we think about the companies that have kind of kind of gotten in trouble for raising prices too much. It's been Valiant, Screlly, and mm-hmm. at this point, Milan. It's been the companies that have had very aggressive cultures, pricings. And I think there was some evidence that Milan could have been a candidate for this a lot earlier based on some corporate scandals. Uh, Chris, you've got a list here of corporate scandals. Do any of them jump out at you? You want to dive into any of them? Boy, let's see. Former CEO uh, used the company's jet for personal travel and... Uh, uh, you know, uh, jetted around uh, his musician uh, son to gigs around the country. Yep. Um, and that was one I, I've, um, let me give no context to this, but this is one where I've heard uh, CFOs of big companies who've never seen the CEOs use uh, Excel spreadsheets before, yep. other than trying to come up with sophisticated, important, uh, financially sound reasons why they should have uh, a, 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 they should have a corporate jet. I mean, yeah. this is something that's hugely important <laughs> to the community of Fortune 500 CEOs, and uh, this is one that used it with uh, Verve. And let's see, there, there were a lot of others. One that jumped out to me was a couple years ago, the company's vice chairman. Uh, they got in trouble because he would sell land to a friend 
for a dollar who would then immediately turn around and sell it to Mylan for, it was two deals that totaled up to over $10 million. And the reason you do that is if you sell, if you buy land from the vice chairman, you have to disclose it as a related party mm-hmm. transaction. If you buy it from the vice chairman's friend, it's not a related party transaction. So clearly they were trying to go around that. And then Mylan, the SEC investigated this and Mylan tried to pay the uh, vice chairman's legal probe costs, which ran almost $350,000. So that's just another one that says, you know, this is a company that it, it was getting run for the management team and to profit the management team, not necessarily shareholders. The former CEO was among the highest paid CEOs in healthcare, despite the fact Mylan was significantly smaller than them. And when you've got such a financially motivated company, I think they are the most likely to raise prices like this to increase profits and justify their pay. Uh, There was the current CEO. She had some controversy over her MBA. She's politically connected. I'll let you talk about any of the others for about 30 more seconds if you want to. I I just think that when people don't have an academic pedigree and you're straightforward on it, it will have huge uh, sympathy from the general public. And Mm -hmm. once you're an adult, you can do your job or you can't do your job. The the market for talent is a pretty efficient one. Uh, But boy, these guys, they just keep getting caught on uh, exaggerating their academic credentials. And and what Mylan did, they did a uh, deal to invert the company and lower their tax rates, which uh, shareholders loved. But they kind of buried in the deal. And we've seen a couple of companies do this. They they bury like in the 200th page in an appendix in the document. Uh, one paragraph that significantly entrenched the management team. And they did that, and a year later, Teva t- tried to buy them for a big premium. And management was like, nope, screw you, shareholders. No big premium for you. We're entrenched, and you can't do anything. And uh, yep. it caused a corporate uproar. So all of it just really points to a very aggressive management team. Uh, I'll give you 10 seconds on this if you want, or if not, we can go do uh, the presidential fundraising. I think that's it. Okay, so why don't we turn to presidential fundraising? So we've talked a lot about uh, this presidential election. Uh, I'm actually reading Trump Rising, the Washington Post book on Donald Trump, plus his Art of the Deal to kind of get to balanced stuff. We'll talk about those on a podcast later. Uh, Trump Rising is really interesting. But there was a political a Politico story on uh, the American Horizon Political Action Committee. We'll call it a PAC from now on. Uh, and Chris, I'll let you talk about kind of what the what American Horizon was doing. Well, it's run by a gentleman named Ian Hawks, uh, Ian Hawks, uh, and he describes himself as a registered genius, mm-hmm. a board-certified hacker, and a grape soda connoisseur. And he's also very humble, I feel like. <laughs> yes. He forgot to say that. But and and he has a site, dinnerwithtrump.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has many uh, similarities, possibly you could say confusing similarities, with Donald Trump's presidential campaign, despite no official connection whatsoever. Yep. Uh, it, it, they spent uh, over $100,000 uh, on Facebook ads within a month, uh, and they got a good uh, ROI. Uh, they raised uh, over a third of a million dollars in donations uh, off of that ad box. Just in a month, they raised yeah. uh, 350000 To date, 20,000 donors have given him more than a million dollars. Uh, but where the re- article really takes a turn is, uh, you know, people think they're donating a thousand dollars, a hundred dollars to Donald Trump's and they're to Donald Trump's campaign, and they're getting a shot to eat with them. And what it turns out is. They have no connection to Donald Trump. If you win, they'll buy you like a ticket to one of his fundraiser dinners. But they're really collecting a lot of money for personal profit. Uh, humorously, it's all described in the fine print. And humorously, the article has something in the fi- – the article has a lawyer who says, 
I didn't see that in the fine print. <laughs> well, I would say that if you attend Trump University, you get your photograph with a cutout of Donald Trump. <laughs> if you donate to their site and they are middlemen that will connect you with the Donald Trump fundraiser where he's there live, it might be legitimate. I would also say that because uh, Mr. Trump has uh, loaned, uh, but not forgiven loans to his mm-hmm. campaigns that are net greater than the uh, than the individual uh, donations he's received from outsiders. Those donations go net. Money's fungible and divisible. It goes to him. They don't benefit the presidential campaign at all. So given it doesn't make any difference whether you give to the real campaign or the other mm-hmm. one. They have the identical possibility of you as a small supporter impacting the outcome of the yeah. campaign. And I think that's really where we wanted to talk about this. Uh, you know, Politico and Hosba say, look, we're just taking advantage of a vacuum left by a skeleton. Trump organization, but it's really more talking about you donate to these campaigns and you have so little clarity on where mm-hmm. the money is. And Trump is has been a kind of off the charts example of you donate and you really don't know if it's going to him, if it's going to buy hats from one of his one of his friends. But you know, even when you donate to other political candidates, you never know if it's going to actual TV buys or if they're using it to pay down some debt that they took out to win a primary or something. So you've really got very little clarity. Go you, ahead. You get great clarity in million dollar increments, like if you support a super PAC. Yep. Uh, but a hundred dollars is not a hundred a millionth of donating a million dollars. It's you can round down to zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it, um, but also, I mean, overall statistically, people at some level uh, might understand that the probability of swaying any uh, part of the electoral college is very close to zero. But to the extent people understand that, they probably are more expressing their identity than swaying the outcome. Uh, hopefully, they understand that. But it's a lot like being a single fan in a stadium. You put on an orange or a purple jersey. Mm-hmm. You probably don't think you're affecting the outcome. You're just participating and communicating. And, and the article also made clear on this: like Trump supporters are so unbelievably passionate. They, they, you know, say what you will about him, but they might be the most passionate supporters of a political party candidate almost in history. And when they're doing this, they're really just trying to show their support. And that's what has made them such rich targets for people like DinnerWithDonaldTrump.com. Or he set up a new site, uh, I think it's CrookedHillary2016.org, and he set it up about a month ago, and he's already taken in over a million dollars from small donors to, I believe the official thing is, donate to us and we will try to uh, prosecute against Hillary Clinton. And he's taken in a lot from some very passionate supporters. Go ahead. One of the revealing interesting things to me about the campaign that I've thought a bit about is that he has an extremely unusual travel schedule Mm -hmm. uh, relative to somebody who is trying to get a majority of the electoral college votes, Mm -hmm. uh, spending a lot of time in uncompetitive states such as Connecticut, such as Washington State, but visiting uh, the kind of areas that would be very valuable for a media um, market for future uh, business ventures. Yeah, and look, when he won the Republican primary, I believe he said, we're going to make New York competitive, we're going to win California, and he was talking about spending resources there, and the Democrats were just kind of like, is this a gift from heaven? Like, there's no, he doesn't stand a chance in New York or California. Any dollar he spent there is effectively a dollar lit on fire. Uh, do you want to talk it's, about it's, it's ROI is probably negative over ninety nine percent. Yeah. Do you want to talk about uh, Seattle, or we can talk real quickly about the raising of the rent on his campaign headquarters? Up to you. Um, either one. Uh, you know, I think that you know you look at uh, these uh, locales, and even when you have say a low to mid single digit percentage of winning one of these states, the much more important game theory is the likelihood that that is 
the fulcrum. Yeah. So spending Florida, if you only had a 10% chance of winning, Florida is such a battleground state Mm -hmm. and it's so big, you might want to spend time there because you lose Florida, you're effectively Mm -hmm. dead. Washington, it's small and it's not, you know, if you win Washington, you've probably, as a Republican, you've probably won the whole thing Mm -hmm. because you're up by five, 10% of the polls. Tomorrow night, he's going to Washington where he's got a 4% chance of winning. And the effect of Washington being the state that tips it over, I think 538 had it as like less than 1%. So why, why waste your time there? Uh, Let's see. You want to take the rent thing, or should we call it now? Yeah. No, I think that uh, he's uh, quintupled uh, the rent uh, at Trump Tower uh, as soon as the outside money started flowing in for the campaign. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that was just one of the steps that they have made for a very uh, strong percentage of the campaign money going to Trump personally, Trump family, Trump-related entities. It was $400,000 of the first million and a half that came in. As of right now, it's up to probably about somewhere between 15 and $20 million of personal benefit for this campaign. Yep, he, he spent $260,000 to date on Trump golf courses and restaurants. Uh, one Republican committee member had a quote in the article that said, look, if I saw that as soon as he started taking donations, he quintupled a rent in a building he owned, uh, if I was a donor, I'd want answers, and this is is the stuff political at- political attack ads dreams are made of. Mm-hmm. So it goes back to what you were saying. You have so little clarity into where your money is actually going yeah. with with Donald Trump specifically, but the candidates in general. Ten seconds on the last thought for you. Even the red hats are made by a uh, close personal friend, young lady of uh, Eric Trump. Perfect. So that's all the time we have for today. Before we hit our disclosures, just a reminder, uh, if you have any feedback for us, please feel free to email it to us at podcast at rangercapital.com. Chris, the only stock we really talked about today was Mylan, which I don't think we have a position in. Nope. Uh, we talked about Donald Trump, who I think we're both short a little bit on predicted. I am short Donald yep. Trump. Uh, so that's it for today, and we will try to talk to you tomorrow.